Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey everyone, happy Friday. We are back with the car debate. We've got a couple of debates that are going to be kind of interesting. Although, I should say the second debate was intriguing more than interesting, I guess. Just because well, it's, it's intriguing uh, more than it's a debate, I feel like. It, he's he's well, posed, yes. posed some good questions more than he said, solve my problem. It's, and I do it's like not that. a particular, it's cool. yeah, it's not a particular debate here, but it is, uh, it's cool because, uh, well, I'll tell you the first one. Here's the first one. This is Andrew. He's in Indiana. And you know how we tell you if you've got $25,000 and you need a four-door all-wheel drive turbocharged <laughs> sedan, we just we tell you answer. we just tell you WRX. You know this already, right? Mm-hmm. So he is actually wanting to get out of his. He's got a WRX <laughs> and he's going, "Well, what's next? Now that I've got it and I've lived with it and it's Here's, what do I do next?" It's that it's that car lot moment you like so much. He's getting out of the car. It's for sale. Who would like it? Let's find Andrew something else. And then you're right. You, you've also added uh, you've also added Hugo here, who's writing from the Netherlands and tells us his story about listening to the podcast, and then asks us some cool questions about uh, his car experience and and cars we either recommend or don't. And he's curious about some follow up questions there. So that'll be kind of a cool discussion yeah. point. It was kind of like an extended Facebook question, but his story is cool too. Yeah, the story is great. And plus, you're listening in the Netherlands along with other train riders on the way to work. So subway commuters. Mm-hmm. So Hugo, nice to meet you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We really Definitely. appreciate it, and Definitely. we're happy to discuss. This is interesting, guys. Um, this is going to be fun. So this it is, is going to cool. be cool. Cool. Before we get too far, though, I can I take us on a really random left turn. I ran into a rant this evening. You I, mentioned, I, don't, I don't always. I don't always want to rant, here. but but I, I okay. I went to uh, if you're following our 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 Twitter feed or etc. You know we we post things on Twitter and Facebook, and of course Chance runs our Instagram. I will give a shout out to our Instagram real quickly. Every 1,000 followers get get some swag, so do follow our Instagram. Chance does a great job over there with some really cool pictures that we take on set. That's kind of the only way for you to see them. It's so a free that. German Shepherd but, puppy. Every new. 1, you know, follower. it's actually it's actually free all puppy. cat videos, and then Just and then kidding. we give away a free puppy. That's exact. That's exactly what we do here at Everyday <laughs> Driver. Uh, that fits the brand perfectly. We're we're transitioning. That'll be once we start doing horse fancy videos, we'll give away a kitten. Yes, it'll be true. awesome. Awesome. Uh, no, but Good idea. but here's what happened tonight. I was at um, I was at the local Park City Car Club. They had a gathering in the evening. Uh, it was you know show your car off and let's go to dinner. Right. And and I was there and I actually posted a picture on our Twitter feed of a guy with a Corvette Z06. That he had bought and instantly got it tuned to 850 horsepower because oh. when you think Z06, you think, "Wow, that's underpowered." <laughs> what a dog! So I did post that Z06, exactly. I did man. post that picture on Twitter, but I wound up in this really cool. There's there's a kind of a bar and grill here in Park City that is very car themed, car and motorcycle themed. Then of course it's kind of a sports bar and they're playing sports on the TVs. And I'm sitting there with my son having dinner, and I happen to notice because I kind of can't notice that on the television ESPN is playing. Okay. The, the sports network. Right. I, I want to clarify for everybody. The sports network. Sports are covered on this network. Just, I, I know I'm over-iterating that, but, but seriously. You're, you're, yeah, the emphasis on sports. Got it. Mm, yes, exactly. What they were covering is the 100th anniversary of the hot dog eating contest. Is that a sport? And, well, that's question one. The second part is, 
they were serious about it. They had the guys in the matching golf shirts with the, the big headphone cans on with a little mic that comes around front. Is this an action sport? Do you need that set up? These guys talking very seriously about it. They had a whole cutaway to the well-produced story about the two arch rivals in hot dog eating. They had the big, you know, smoke and mirrors come into your grand entrance, entrance of all the, quote, <clears throat> athletes. Uh Wow. So they were commentating had, like you do like on the Golf Channel or they were car treating it like or... a like an actual sport. Like an actual sport. And I'm sorry, <laughs> your ability to raise your hand from a glob of food to your own maw is not an athletic event. And I would like to say this is this is the end of my rant. I'm going to try to keep it short, but honestly, is there a more American idea than consuming overeating? And wasting food for sport. <laughs> How do you train for that? Like, what do you what do you go do? You don't exercise. I don't care. I, that, what do it's do? one of those rare moments. It's one of those rare moments when I am ashamed to be an American. Because I thought there really is no more American idea than let us overeat and call it a sport. Hmm. That was shocking to me. So anyway, so that happened on a sports network in the middle of a sports bar that was apparently car-themed, and I thought I must mention it on the podcast, though it's not really car-related. But honestly, NASCAR is so much higher a sport than hot dog eating. I I, I will go so far as to say... I'd rather watch NASCAR than watch the hot dog eating, personally. I will go so far as to say that bowlers are better athletes than hot dog eaters. (laughs) The people who play professional pool are more athletic. I yeah. So anyway, I, I but let's let's try to cover cars. But I just that happened this evening, and I just That's thought, funny. is this really is this really happening? And then of course, <laughs> Apparently to make it, it worse, was. I'm trying to eat while this is on television. Oh yeah, even worse. Ugh. That was all bad. It was all bad. Wow. Anyway, uh, cars. You know, there's this thing that's happening in the news a lot right now. Uh, as I wrench us to a different topic, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, happening in the news a lot right now. I'm sure you've read it because it's been everywhere. And that is Tesla and the autopilot and crashes. Mm-hmm. This is relevant to us because of you and I having driven multiple Teslas now, having experienced mm-hmm. autopilot and experienced yep. not only that, but the enthusiasm of owners. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to dig into this just a little bit. We could go on, but I want to dig into this yeah. just a little bit because you're right. It's all over the news. And I... Um, I mean, I I hate to say this macabre comment, but you know how we've talked about Teslas being the beta testers for Tesla's Mm -hmm. beta testing all the cars. I know they've done their own crash testing to satisfy governmental regulations, but it also seems like they're using you, the human, as their crash test dummy now, too. I hate to say it. Mm. It, The comment popped in my head and I thought, well, maybe, maybe, but it's... It's gone a little far, and here we are with these, you know, these crashes and one death so far. Well, not yeah, so I mean, far, the, the, but I, I, I can't slight Tesla on their safety. I mean, they've been pushing themselves like crazy on safety. I, you know, we didn't talk about the safety rating of the Model X very much because, you know, at this point, nobody's crash tested the Model X but Tesla. So I hate to just go, well, the company says it's awesome. You know, I'd like to <laughs> right. see third party right. stuff. But having said that, the Model S is a all star in crash testing. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, I'm not going to slight their crash testing. And, of course, they have good crumple zones because they don't have that uh, that gasoline motor up front uh, that has right. to go anywhere. There's right. no lump up front. But 
to me, this is less about crash testing than it is about humans embracing semi-autonomous driving and thinking it's autonomous driving. There is a massive distinction there. I mean, I wrote about it a little bit on our website, but the guy that died, unfortunately, and he died more than a month ago, mm-hmm. and the only reason we're actually mm-hmm. talking about it is that happened and it's been all over the news. And then in the past week, there's been a second crash, this one a Model X with a rollover. Nobody died, but a rollover, and they're still trying to sort out how much was autopilot involved in that or not, even though apparently it was on when it happened. This is not a condemnation of autopilot or of Tesla at all, because we drove the system. And it's quite impressive, but it isn't autonomous. It is essentially lane following the car in front of you or lane following the freeway lines. Mm -hmm. And after that, it can get itself in trouble. It isn't you driving. And you have to be ready for that handoff moment. And that's the thing. People are, are seeing how well it works. And then they're going, oh, well, the car's got it. And they're not engaged enough. And that's that's the core of the problem. I liken it to, uh, well, early adopters. And generally speaking, most of the Tesla owners are early adopters of new technology. They were first in line for an Apple Watch. True. They're first in line for whatever new phone comes out or whatever new tech comes out. But there's a big distinction here because now we're talking about life and death, and we really are. It's not just a new gadget that's in your life and that, you Mm -hmm. know, does something better, does an app better, email, whatever it is. It's now life and death. And maybe these early adopters being too quick to adopt this, you know, as a foolproof, it works, it's done, it's sorted, when clearly it's not quite yet sorted, and it's not fully autonomous. On the other hand, as you said, we've experienced it, and it's brilliant. It does work. So there's, there's no reason to think, after having driven it, that you and I would think, ooh, it's not quite ready for prime time, don't release it yet. No, release it. It works. It's Release it. Go ahead. But then it's the we best rely system out there much. by a margin. Yeah. You know, now we're relying on it too much, as you said, yeah, as yeah, if yeah. it's fully sorted, autonomous. No, no, we're not quite there yet where a car picks you up, you sit in the back seat, it takes you to mm-hmm. another address, and we're done. We're not there yet, yeah. folks. Will we be? Possibly. I'm sure we will. But this is take your hands off the wheel for a while and keep glancing at the road. I mean, you're, you've still got to have some involvement. You can't just, you know, let you know sit there and let it take over completely. You've got to still pay attention here. And not that these guys weren't. You know, I'm just. Well, it, it's tragic I, I, and sad, but but it but it honestly the situations beg the question that these these guys, as terrible as it is to say, clearly weren't paying attention very much. Yeah. Because and I and I do think it's a it's an overtime lulling you in, lulling you into a false sense of security. You know, I mean, we've we as humans have proven with texting and even in some cases with holding your phone to your head, we don't half pay attention very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can either yeah. pay attention or not pay attention. We don't halfway pay attention very well at all. And this system is encouraging half paying attention in a lot of owners, not across the board, but in a lot of owners. And that's very problematic. And I would also say that using the, the autopilot system in your stop and go traffic in the morning is very different than I'm commuting to work and I'm going 80 miles an hour and this road is normally fast and fine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're asking for different yeah. things at that point. You're asking for different consequences. And if you've seen the, the pictures of this Model S crash, it's, it's pretty horrific. I mean, it, it, the car kind of tin canned the roof off itself, just peeled the roof right off underneath a tractor trailer. I mean, that's graphic, awful stuff. Yeesh. So, um, wow. 
Clearly, there was a lot of speed involved. And from what they're releasing, there was pretty much no braking involved. So that is neither the autopilot or, in this case, the actual human driver seeing there was a problem. That is the issue we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, here I am. I keep talking about technology and cars, making them better, faster, cleaner, more fun to drive, all those things. I I appreciate the old school stuff as much as anybody. And as much as Todd and I are drivers and enthusiast drivers, I'm all for the tech. I mean, as as sold as I am for virtual reality, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm super sold and impressed with where VR is at now. Not to mention about mm, where it's sure. going. Sure, sure. Same thing with tech. So I say, yeah, bring it. I'm happy that Tesla has done this and you know brought out this system and is constantly improving it. And you know, how else do you really sort out the bugs and kinks? I suppose that's part of what you accept when you buy the car and use the system. You're you're accepting this, and it's now kind of hitting home in the media. Well, wait a minute. You didn't tell us. Well, yeah, Tesla did tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And you are well, accepting there's all those, that, that. There's yeah. all those do you accept the risks. I mean, heck, your navigation system on your car. Forget <laughs> autopilot. Good one. Yeah. Your, nav- your navigation system already says, do you accept the risk? I don't care what car you drive. I don't care how much you even look at your nav system. And I guarantee your nav system is making you halfway pay attention unless it's yeah. talking to you. If you're looking down at your nav system, you're half paying attention. Now, now make that exponentially more because the car is doing more of the driving it is just by its nature starting to disconnect you more and more. As you become more and more reliant on it, it makes you in your headspace more and more a passenger, which makes you less ready to take over because the problem ultimately with this semi-autonomous stage, and I don't care who's doing it, Volvo, Tesla, Infiniti, all of them are trying it, Mercedes. It's not about the company. It's about this semi-autonomous stage where when the system kind of throws up his hands is when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, right. oh, well, okay. It, it's, it's in the worst case scenario that the computer goes, help, can't handle it. That's when you need to be on <laughs> right. your best game as a driver, and maybe you're just not. Right. I, uh, I get questions from family and, and other folks about, you know, does the autonomous car, does that mean it's an electric car? And I can see how you got there. But no, it doesn't, because mm. we've got autonomous systems on gasoline-powered cars and hybrid electric yeah. cars, yeah, yeah. and of course Tesla's fully electric cars. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can definitely see that. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a, <laughs> you know, autonomous from the car, from the powertrain, and uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's a system we've got now. I think Tesla's is probably the best on the market, from what I've seen and read so far. You and I haven't. Driven yeah. too many other cars in the same manner, but again, it's impressive. So, well, I mean, why wouldn't you trust it? It makes you exactly. instantly they're, trust they're, it. It's so good. Yeah, they're classified as what's called level two in autonomy, which is the step beyond electronic stability control. It's it's what's referred to as lane keeping and and adaptive cruise control. Think down the line of how many cars might, how many car makers have some variation of those two realities, and it's a lot. It's just mm-hmm. that Tesla's does the most things, and because of their infrastructure and network of cars, it is learning the most things. That's the other thing about this. It's it is a ongoing beta where the cars are learning more and more, and so the, as the data gets better, the cars get better. But you've got a car that ultimately is looking around at road level, and isn't actually fully in charge. And we have to remember both of those things. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's there's risks? Wait a minute. I know. We can't just click through the end user license agreement and we're good, right? 
I mean, I'm, I can't. I can't just say yes, I accept, and then and then decide that it's your fault anyway. <laughs> Welcome to the other American way. Anyway, moving on. Yes. <laughs> Man, all right. Well, uh, of course, we'll be continue to watch the news, as will you. And, uh, you know, I hope there are no more deaths. I hope Tesla continues to improve the system. I hmm. like what they're doing, but I hope they would... I hope part of their reply would be something more the, along the lines of, you know what? That's a bummer. That happened. We're going to really recheck all of everything, what we're doing and what we're studying. Here's where we're at. We will continue to improve rather than just instant defense. You know, no. rather than, we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see how know. it plays out. The government investigation's happening, and uh, you know, it certainly doesn't help the government investigation to have that it gets announced last week and the Model X crash gets announced this yeah. week. Yeah. But I really do think it's a paying attention problem more than anything. But uh, but how we navigate that as drivers is is TBD. So uh, we should maybe do a car debate. Should we talk about Andrew and his situation? <laughs> sure. He's writing to us from Indiana. Andrew, thanks for writing. You you are the guy. You're the guy. You're my number one guy because you own the WRX. We've recommended it endlessly. We know it. We love mm-hmm. it. You have one, and he wants to upgrade. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. It's definitely the paralysis by analysis because he's got a particular set of requirements, but he doesn't know what he should get. So this is mm-hmm. just for him. He's saying that his wife is happy. Looks like she's got a Honda CRV. So yep. only for yep. him, only your car. And you've given us some suggestions here. It doesn't sound like you've driven too many things quite yet. Agreed. That's not the idea that I'm getting here reading your email. But uh, here we go. 2012 WRX hatchback. So we've driven that car. We like it. 37,000 mm-hmm. miles out of warranty. But that sounds like a great buy for any of you listening. Please contact <laughs> us so we can put you in touch with Andrew, who is selling us. Who is currently <laughs> selling a good WRX. Well-loved exactly. WRX. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, if he's going to buy selling the car, so his budget would be around $50,000. So that's including in. yep. you know the money that he gets from the sale of that car, including some mm-hmm. extra. And what he can so afford. Capping yep. himself right around fifty grand, And he's given us these set of requirements. Which are the dog. First of all, it's not just any dog. This is a Bernese Mountain Dog, which is about 120 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I know this because my family actually has one. And uh, my sister and her husband do. And yeah, Nala is 117 pounds and she's a lump. So I get it. Uh, What else? Babies. I mean, they're, 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 they're big, lovable, walking mops that weigh as much as a person. I mean, like, that's really what we're talking it's about. It's like a rug that breathes. Like, what, what it, do you it do? Is, it is eat? a rug that breathes. Absolutely true. And <laughs> slobbers. Yeah. And pants on you with like 150 degree temperature breath. I mean, they're, 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 they're sweet, sweet dogs. But this is not, I have a dog accessory that fits in my purse. Thank God, by the way. This is a serious exactly. dog. So he has that. They're also talking about maybe adding kids to the equation, he and his wife. So, uh, yeah, that that's a whole other thing. We can talk about uh, trash can car seats again. And he also coaches soccer, so he hauls around equipment, which, let's be honest, if you haul around equipment, that just means you have a big bag of soccer balls. It's not like you have other gear. You don't take the goal home, but it still is a big bag of soccer balls. So lots of stuff going on. Yeah, we get it. You need space for your balls. So uh, clearly, we need a big car here. <laughs> Thank you. Was trying to avoid that. You Had to be anyway. said. Keep you going. Know, everybody okay. was thinking. All right, go on. All right, so yeah. he's looking at something with four doors, and he's also been wanting a Porsche for a long time. So here's the conundrum, is that he's torn between, should I get something practical, and you know it's going to fit the dog and the kids and the soccer gear, or mm-hmm. should I go for the sports car, what do I do, or, or something in between. And yeah. it, it's clear, the WRX has to go. 
Could it fit the bill? Maybe for a little while, but it's clear it's time for that car to go. It is, you know, from a space standpoint, I get it. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but all right. So it sounds like Andrew, you're, you're pretty open. Um, sports sedan, sports car, some haulers. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes back to this, this little thing here that you haven't driven many things yet. So hopefully yeah. our discussion yeah. here will kind of steer you towards something to, to drive or maybe a you know short list, maybe three to five cars to go start driving. And then hopefully that'll help you start narrowing down from there. I, I uh, agree, yeah. I have a few I suggestions. Of, yeah, and I think we're similar in that I kind of thought of, I thought of two approaches for Andrew, and then I thought of things to drive under those approaches versus just here's your car. But keep going. I, uh, you know, we were just talking about Teslas, and I feel like it has to be said here. A Model S. This seems like it would fit the bill, and, I mean, this is how unafraid we are about these cars. They're excellent cars, and they're continually, continually being improved. And what about, you know, a slightly used Model S because of the huge power hatchback? When you fold mm -hmm. those seats down, there's gobs of space. True. Everybody can be in there. The flip-up seats, the rear-facing seats. I, I keep thinking of the owner of, um, of the Tesla Model S that you and I drove and reviewed. Sure. He had a family sure. of five kids and stuff, and they all mm -hmm. fit. And I thought, well, yeah. that, that huge power hatchback could be a real plus. And, um, you know, hopefully your dog could, you know, hop, hop over and, you know, take up the whole back seat. And uh, <laughs> he's going to get ramps. He's going to get ramps for his dog. He's going to be that guy with ramps for his dog. And, and you know, a, a, yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but you make a good point. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know that he can get one for 50 grand. However, if you take your gas budget out of the equation, you might be able to get there. That, that's the other part of that equation, is it is your electric bill okay. will probably only yeah, go up true. 10 or $20 a month, based on most people we've talked to. That's how much it goes up when they add a Tesla to their garage. So you take 10 or $20 out of your normal gas budget, apply what is your normal gasoline budget to buying your Tesla, you might be able to have enough money to get one used, because I think most of them starting at about 55 or so, which is out of your range, but not far out of your range. So I think that is a good thought. But also because he's got this comment here about his commute. It's 10 minutes, four miles in length. Yeah. So therefore, you wouldn't even need to charge the car while you're at work. You might not even need to charge the car for the entire week. So therefore, yeah, it's that kind of thing. You're you right. know, thinking, ooh, I don't have a charger at work. And, you know, maybe some kind of limitation about when you get there. Don't even worry about it because your commute is so short. And yeah, it's not going to matter. Yep. Yeah, certainly doesn't matter. So I thought of that, which kind of led me to an Audi A7, similar kind of, you know, I'm thinking about a big, huge door, you know, into which to just put stuff <laughs> and yeah. dog and yep. gear for kids, strollers and whatever. When, when that comes, it, you could turn these larger hatchbacks into the family hauler. You could kind of make it that, fold a seat down. Yeah. You know, yeah. of course, that led me to a Panamera. I think you can get Thank into you. one for about fifty grand. I'm thinking. Uh, well, I think the the Panamera has to be mentioned because he he makes the comment here twice in his email that he would really like to own a Porsche, well, and, I, yeah, and I, I think so. The it's glaring us in the face. <laughs> it, you is. have to say Porsche Panamera. You, you you have to. You're, you're you're wanting a four door with a hatch, and you wish you could have a Porsche. Hello, Porsche can do that, and yeah. not because we like to talk at Porsches, but because you've pretty much written the recipe. So we have to at least say it. I'm glad you brought up the A7 as an alternative. Keep going. Gosh, those are the three big ones that entered my mind. I mean, we could go a larger sedan. 
But again, mm-hmm. I come back to the big power hatch, the big door into which to throw stuff. And that's what led yeah. me to those th- those three cars. Um, what else could we do from there? Uh, you could well, go into you know, small SUVs, but then you're not getting the driving dynamics that you would probably want. So Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. He said that he likes the quickness and the feel of the WRX. He's just wanting to upgrade in interior feel. Doesn't mm-hmm. really want to do a downgrade in power. So it keeps us in kind of enthusiast, sporty cars that are nicer, which is, again, all the stuff we're listing. I listed two others in this kind of single car scenario. Because I have a different scenario, and that's a two-car scenario. I want to get to that in a second. But two others I think you have to drive. You simply must drive the E90 M3. That is the four-door prior generation M3. Sure, You can get it with a great automatic. That is one of the, honestly, out there, it's one of the ultimate dual personality family cars. You can have it be just a very nice sedan. Now, please get some sort of covering for the back seat for your monster dog. But, <laughs> you, you, but in any car, they, you but drive. they make just but exactly. But they make them uh, plenty of trunk space for all the soccer gear that you're carrying. The dog could go in the back if you put a cover on it. Any car seat you get is going to fit back there. The DCT that transmission from uh, from BMW is excellent. That V8 is good. And then if you want to hoon and go fast, fantastic. If you want to just drive your 10 minutes to work on your commute it's going to just feel nice it's going to feel like a great place to be and you you and your family could drive somewhere have to drive that as a benchmark i don't know that it's right for you but it's in that same world drive a chevy ss drive one because it's a big sedan that doesn't act like it when you want to drive it hard the the e90 m3 is the nicer buy of those two but you should drive the ss it is it's uh the ss news not quite 50 grand so it could stay under that maybe 47 somewhere in that range and it does yeah, uh, it's can... it's the big sedan it could be the the hauler um i absolutely. just absolutely i just keep coming back to the fact that it doesn't feel like a $50,000 car to me it just it feels like a 35,000-ish kind of car even well, though there there are people getting them for 38, 39, 40 and that's you know that's used i suppose yeah and and so so that's it's it's definitely worth driving. I think you have to drive it, Andrew, because it's a good benchmark car. I think that E ninety M three you need to drive. So we've given some other things, but then I have the alternative idea. And, and you didn't bring it up, Andrew, but maybe this is my whole wild card line of thinking. But you really want a sports car? I mean, it's clear your email kind of goes on and on and kind of keeps circling back to. But a Porsche? But what about a sports car? But what about rear wheel drive? You keep yeah, coming back to yeah. so clearly that's what you want. But you have other things in life that need other, just more utility features. So I had this thought. You have 50 grand to spend. What about spending 10 grand on a used Honda Fit? I'm not saying that because it's some fantastic dynamic car, but I'm saying because you can get them cheap. You already like Hondas. They're reliable. It gets good gas mileage. And one of the things the Fit does the best is just have available space. Drop all your seats flat and put your enormous dog in the back. Put the child seat in the back. Uh, put all the soccer balls that the entire store has in the back. It has much more space than you think think it will for those kind of necessities. That leaves you forty grand to now shop for sports car. Hmm. And now the debate in my mind is just how serious do you want to be? Because now you've covered. I mean, come on, you can park the Honda Fit outside. It's just it's the lovable little do it all, but it doesn't have to be precious at all. That's not the point of it. You bought it for ten grand. It does the utility stuff. It's it's if you follow me, it's doing in hatchback form what a lot of people do with their old pickup. It's that kind of thing. So the Honda Fit sits in the in the driveway. What's in the garage now? 
what's the sports car? And with 40 grand to, to spend, I thought of four cars. They're wow. all very different, yeah. but they're but they're very different in terms of what kind of dynamics and interests do you want. And since you've said Porsche, I must say it, Cayman. Yes. Cayman's on the list. Yes. But if you got 40K, drive a Lotus Elise. You've got 40K and you want to go bigger, more attitude, try the new Camaro. And for 40 grand, if you shop smart, you could get yourself a C7 Corvette. So now you have for the fit 40? to solve the problem. You sure? If you shop well, 40, 42, I'm finding them. I'm finding them. You got to shop smart, but they're out there. And, and you know, I, it's going to be a, a little bit of a what are the how do the scales fall? If your Honda Fit is 15, then obviously you can't get the Camaro. But there's some debate going on there. But you could genuinely 40 grand buy a full-on sports car. So now, who are you, and how hardcore are you? Could you get an M235i for 40 grand? Slightly used. I'm Probably slightly used, yeah. I'm wondering. Probably slightly used. Huh. Because that makes me think, I mean, if you get the fit, it's going to be you and the dog and nothing else. If if you have a Bernese mountain dog, it's going to be this hair spilling out every window, and you're going to be scrunched up in the driver's seat, this dog, and then, but go get the sports car. I love that idea. And mm-hmm. I think M3. It, it frees him up. I, what else? Uh, gosh, Nismo 370Zs all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Man, we could go kind of crazy with this. But so I mean, huh, I don't know. Huh. I don't know enough about how Andrew's going to drive it and how much sports car he really wants to really hone in on a selection. But I had that thought of okay, what if this becomes two cars with fifty grand? Because fifty grand is enough to genuinely do two cars, two and do two cars pretty well and have options. Yeah, even yeah. if you want fifteen grand and thirty-five grand for the other one, you know what I mean? There's there's options there. And so I think it, it frees you up, Andrew, from what I, what I feel here is, is the struggle for you of it has to do a lot of things. Well, okay, you want a sports car, then free yourself up by getting a little tiny runabout. That's, that's my, my wild card idea. Hmm, I like it. That runabout, I like it. The fit just seems like a representative. It could be anything in that size category. Mm-hmm. Fit or, you know, whatever sure, else sure. It, it might be just to... to uh to slot in there so huh but i do love the yeah. fit's use of space i mean that's the reason i thought of it specifically because it has a fantastic use of space yeah. every time i'm in one i'm shocked by how well they engineered it so uh that's why i bring it up it's like a boat um, inside there's nooks and crannies and you, what's under this giant hey look have you seen down in here give me your flashlight yeah. it's this huge area. exactly it's hilarious exactly hilarious all right well good ideas andrew hope that's helpful and uh let us know what you end up going for because uh we're curious too, especially with that dog. That's just an enormous dog. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Hugo, on to the debate. Uh, well, kind of a debate for Hugo. Hugo, he's in the Netherlands. I gotta say, I was grinning the entire time I was reading your email here because I, I thought, yeah, yeah. Todd and I just have to talk about this because of, <laughs> because of the first part of your email, and then the second part is really more asking about. Should I Lexify my FRS? And you had talked about actually adding sound deadening to your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably will. I was going to say, where are you on that? I mean, that's really what Hugo's asking about, you know, kind of making it a little bit more of a luxurious, and by that, you know, more sound deadening, better materials, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. So should you put your money into the car like that, or should you get a better car? I think that's really kind of mm-hmm. the debate here. But the first part of his email is just, it's hilarious. 
Well, yeah, I mean, he, he talks about he talks about how he listens to uh, the podcast on his commute, and his commute is on the train, and he finds that we make him laugh, which is embarrassing because now he's that guy sitting there with headphones on the train that suddenly starts laughing, and the exactly. people around him look at him like, what the heck is your You're problem? You're like, no, no, no yeah. if you only, uh, all right, fine. <laughs> You're the guy that people are changing seats to get away from the weird cackling guy. Sorry that we did that to you, Hugo, genuinely, yeah. Exactly. Oh, so here, um, I like that you're uh, into the Europe driving event, and we will say, because Hugo called it out, that is the pilgrimage trip that we are wanting you to sign up for and join us. Find that on the everydaydriver.com adventure tab and go read. Mm -hmm. We are bringing people back to the ring and spa, and that is full track time, both days, full track time, open track with a couple of fun cars and a road tour in between. So we're looking for at least 12, ideally 12, but, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can do it with eight. So go to that for more details there. And I'm glad and you called some, that out. We've had some new sign-up at interest just this week. It, it isn't until the end of September, which seems like a long way away. I promise you it's not because we got to get serious with travel arrangements and flights and stuff in, in mid-August to make this work out for all of you. Uh, Price-wise, you're probably going to want to shop that early. So get in now. We are building a roster, which is awesome, and these are private track days. This is not Turistenfarten like we had in the film. This is you getting out there and driving with very few people, which is a unique experience, and it's full track, too. It's not the bridge to gantry. It's like you get the front straight, too. So, yes, this is going to be very cool, and Hugo had said he'd love to come. He can't swing it this year. However, he mentions in passing his parents have a house near Spa, so maybe he'll come for coffee. Bring it, Hugo. Sounds like fun. <laughs> Good news, everybody. We're having dinner at Hugo's parents' house for one of the nights. Exactly. exactly. So kind of you to offer, Hugo. Thank you Itinerary so change. much. <laughs> they will love that. You can, you can uh, drive your, your car. And you know what? Take the train. Let's just stay, at, stay in, your, in your email here. Just take the train over to your parents and let them know that some guys hungry from track driving are coming exactly. over to their house. They're going to be fine with it. They're going to really be fine. Really hungry. Weird, oh, can I use your shower? Do you mind? Can, can the, I... weird, the weird Americans are coming. That's bound to go over well. Yeah, uh-huh. Show them a picture of me and they'll lock the door. Anyway, we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, Hugo is asking about uh, the, the sound deadening to the FRS, and that really stuck out to me because you had talked about it. And here he had owned a Subaru Impreza Turbo from 98 mm -hmm. that he loved, but then he actually did buy the better car. He got a BMW 330i Touring. Mm -hmm. So, of course, family, he kind of, you know, it just seems like wagons sell in Europe, and uh, wagons just, for whatever reason, just not a thing in, in as much in the U.S., except if you're a car journalist. But yeah, uh, I like uh, I like that you really are digging the BMW, and uh, it just yeah it it you can experience. I mean that's kind of what BMW did for you, and it's funny because mm -hmm. Todd and mm -hmm. I will drive you know whatever, and we were likening that uh, that M2 certain aspects about it as kind of an overgrown FRS, sort of the grown up FRS. It's got more sound deadening, yeah. and it's you know There's... those kinds of things. It felt like that, you know. There's a lot of dynamic similarities between that car and the FRS. Obviously, they're very different cars when you ride in them back-to-back, -back, but they're from the same kind of dynamic lineage, if that makes sense. Now, the M2 weighs almost a 1,000 pounds more than the FRS, which I'm going to use that comment as my jumping-off place to kind of talk to your point. I have been driving the FRS around in the last week or so with kind of a different headspace. I've been actually thinking about where am I hearing sound from and what sounds are annoying me. The exhaust is not the problem child. It's everything else is kind of what mm. I'm concluding. And I'm thinking about, okay, where am I hearing? And I'm hearing a little bit from the firewall. I'm hearing it definitely through the doors, some through the floor, but definitely through the doors. 
drivers. And from behind me, as I've mentioned before, the rear seats in the FRS are just the seats bolted to bare metal. So even just underneath that and the rear inside quarter panels where it's bare metal, just toning that down would be a change. So I've been thinking about that. Yes, I will be doing some sort of sound editing. New thing for me. haven't done this before, but we'll take you guys along with us. I will do some, but you can get like a $500 all-in package that some people sell online that adds like 150 pounds to the car of sound editing, and you take every panel off and stop, stop. Because at some point... At some point, you have to accept the kind of car you own. I mean, this falls into that same tuning category we've talked about, yeah, where you know, once yeah. you're spending seven or ten grand, buy a different car. If I were to turbocharge the FRS or supercharge the FRS, that'd be five, six grand. If I were then to sound deaden it for five hundred dollars, I mean, at some point, I'm sorry, go buy a BMW, go buy a car that has more sound deadening, go buy a used Cayman, something. You're headed yourself toward a different kind of demeanor of car so embrace the fact that the personality of the car needs to be different and go get a different car i think there is that tipping point i do feel like you can do a little bit which is what i'm going to do i'm going to do a bit and see if i can solve some of the more egregious uh sound levels but i'm not going to go i'm I'm not trying to make this car a lexus i mean your question is do you what do you think about lexifying the frs i think it's now a different car honestly Mm -hmm. so i'll do some but there is a place at which you have to examine Am I, am I trying to make this car into something it's not? And if so, I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's different than being in a relationship with a person. You want to make them into something they're not. It may be difficult to extricate yourself from that relationship. This is a car. If you're wanting to make it into something it's not, you don't have to keep it. There's no True. divorce proceedings, okay? You can sell it and buy a different car. So embrace that reality, if not in your relationships, in your car buying. There's my weird relationship uh, explanation for the day. You're going to do relationship advice for an entire week. Just kidding. Um, yeah, look out. <laughs> makes me think of that Dynamat stuff that uh, bass heads and audio enthusiasts use. I actually mm-hmm. looked at doing this, gosh, way back. I was a bass head in high school and uh, <laughs> really was considering doing that to my 1977 Jeep. Cherokee that I had, but uh, that was rusting out. Yeah, the, perfect. The rust your, your, overcame your problem the, uh, was, the thought. Your problem was not fixed by Dynamat. It was fixed by the the rusted hole in the floor. Different problem entirely. Exactly. Yes. So this is that really thick industrial felt that has an adhesive backing. Uh, I just thought of Dynamat. That's just a brand name. I'm sure there's a bunch of others, but you wouldn't have well, to go nuts. You could just do a little bit no. of that car audio stuff. The felt, you know, adhesive that in there, adhesive it under the seats, like you were talking about. And it's just as if you were doing a car audio huge install to, you know, keep the buzzing and the panel rattling and all the screws from unscrewing themselves at your base competitions. Well, and there's there's even guys that use, uh, I've read about this too, there's guys that use, there's a much cheaper like roll you can buy that is essentially ducting insulation that works the same. It's like a tar-backed with adhesive kind of thing that's used for insulation. And there's a lot of guys that buy that and do it on the cheap that way, and it seems to work. There's debates about whether or not that creates a tar smell in your car. Most guys say it doesn't, hmm. but that's the cheap way to go. But then there's also this this special foam I've seen that is a it's a foam. It's it's denser than foam, but it's actually an acoustic-related thin layer of foam you can put in. That Dynamat stuff with the metal backing is kind of the stops the, the squeaks and rattles, and then the foam can actually prevent sound from passing through so this is all the stuff i'm debating things i never learned before uh but uh, but it's intriguing and i'll go somewhere with it and then uh hugo asked another question where he he just said that he has this bmw his parents have a uh, which lexus is oh the ct200h so that mm-hmm. uh, hatchback right, hybrid right. thing which made him ask a question which is why don't we bring up and recommend the isf 
Okay. I have an answer, but that that's a it's a worthwhile question. We have brought up the IS three fifty quite a bit. Uh the F Sport the, version yeah, of currently. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the RC as well. And yeah. the RC as well. We've driven both of those cars and liked them a lot. Uh, no. It, the question that you're asking here, it's not bad by any means. It's uh, it's one we haven't recommended yet. I guess I keep waiting for an email where it comes in that you know kind of fits the bill. It's hard to say, go get that car over, say, an M3 or something we know to be dynamically brilliant. But it's really, really good, and we like the F Sport quite a bit. So well, that I mean, F is got to be got to be. Up this there. is, you've already, in my opinion, talked about the problem. The the, I, the problem with the ISF, the last gen ISF, because the current one doesn't have one. The last gen IF, ISF, the problem with it is that the M3 exists. Yeah. The M3 is the better car, yeah. and so if we walk into that world, it's the better car. Now the ISF has a great V8 in it. The engine is better than the rest of the car. Um, I've driven both. I've driven both back to back on the track. The ISF isn't as much fun or as dynamic as the E90 Generation M3, which is why the M3 wins. Mm-hmm. So that's why it doesn't get discussed much. It doesn't mean the ISF is a bad car. It just gets it's in the shadow of the of the uh, M3. In fact, I would say it's similar. One of the reasons we don't talk about the 370Z much is because it's kind of in the shadow of the same world as the Cayman. They do similar things. The sure. Cayman is the slightly yeah. nicer car. It's the same kind of deal. It doesn't mean the 370Z is bad. In fact, it's a great car. It's just not as nice as the Cayman. So it's, we're talking about cars that get into other brilliant cars' territory, and they get overlooked. Yeah, yeah, and it's not that you know the feeling is dead. If that's the car you started in, you'd think, pretty good. I like this car. But then you'd go get in the M3 and go, uh, okay, I get it, right. But you know, maybe the market is... Uh, maybe an older buyer. I don't know. Maybe that's well, but, you know, uh, going too far. But I, would, but I don't know. But I would say if you were if if somebody sent us a car debate that was talking about essentially, it seems like they they would like an M3, but they're a Japanese car fan or they have a Lexus history or something like oh, that. Oh sure. ISF all day long. ISF oh, sure. all day long. Yeah. Or if yeah. they said I would never buy an M3 because I'm terrified of the maintenance, go get yourself an ISF. I mean, you're not you're not. That's a off great some, selling point, you know, to be honest. It, just it, it's not alone. some off in a lesser than reality. It's just not quite as good. And so, are you a buyer where that ISF is more intriguing? So that I hope that answers the question, Hugo. That's the reason that it doesn't come up much. Hugo, thank you a million for writing in. We really appreciate it, and um, we're coming to your house or your parents' house for dinner. So yep. um, start buying food now because we're hungry. <laughs> just kidding. Party at Hugo's parents' house at the spa. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, frightening. Yikes. Frightening. Now he's sorry he wrote to us. Anyway, just kidding. All right, thank you guys. Uh, on to the Facebook questions, of which you've buried us again. This is great. Uh-huh. Uh, it's awesome. Great. <laughs> scrolling through these, uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned you picked out a few here. Uh, go. I did. Uh, Chris Bowman wrote to us and said, what about recommendations for people that are enthusiasts wanting to drive great corners and have fun in a place like Houston, Texas? Now, I grew up in Houston, Texas. <laughs> this is not a fun fun driving road city. It's just not. You've got to drive to kind of the Austin Hill Country area, and it starts to get good. But, you know, there's not the nice ca- – I mean, I moved to California and went, what are all these roads? What's going on here? <laughs> what is you know, this? you go to – Seriously, you go, you go to California, you go to Colorado, you go to places with great mountain roads, and you realize just how flat and straight the roads in Texas are. So Chris is struggling under that reality, and uh, he has an NC Miata that he's tightened up. I, I'll be honest with you, Chris, I'm not sure for what in, in the great in the great city of Houston. But you, so you're going, where do I work this car out? And I hate to say this answer, but it's true. 
you got to go get track days. Yeah. Or you've got to find local autocrosses. Those are your two answers. Your car would be great for autocross. There's probably a lot of car clubs that set up autocrosses on the monster flat expanses of concrete parking lot that lie unused in Houston. So you could find autocross events. And then there's, I think it's called MSR Houston. It's kind of the local um, local uh, country club that you sign up for that is a racing country club. If you can't become a member, I, I don't know the prices. You have to look into it. If you can't become a member of that track, uh, sometimes those are exorbitant fees, Places like NASA, I looked this up, both NASA and SCCA do track days, high-performance track days where you can come for the day as a non-member to that facility. So I would look into that as well. I hate to say it, but the answer is you're going to have to seek out events to do it right. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, it's just, it's tougher in the, the flats and straights, but you're going to have to just be diligent. So, yeah, good good stuff. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. It oh, really yeah. is. yeah, yeah. Uh, two quick ones here. First, uh, Hero Scott is asking, uh, well, he would, he's saying he would love to see a comparison piece between the Focus RS and the Golf R. What do we think? We do think. We think a lot. We like. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, coming soon. I will just say that. And then we're working uh, on what we're going to do with the Focus RS. There is a Focus RS review coming. Yes. It will yes. be comparative. What it looks like is uh, is something we're not talking about yet. Exactly. All right. Uh, so Ben Prophet up top here is asking about chuckable. The term chuckable, and when we say that, what <laughs> do we mean? What makes a car yeah, chuckable, yeah. in our opinions? You know, essentially, what, how does that relate to the sports car handling we enjoy most? Mm-hmm. I really would say the chuckable means the way it shifts the weight around the tires. So yes. You know, imagine on a track or imagine on a twisty mountain road where you're breaking hard and coming in, turning in hard. What does the car do at that point? Does it really feel its weight? Is it throwing all of its weight? Or does it still feel like it's got its balance? Is it on a snowboard? Is it on skis where it's, you know, mm-hmm. on a mogul run and you can shift your weight balance really quickly, which is crucial to getting through the curvy course quickly? Or does yeah, it yeah. just, oh my gosh, I felt every bit of the 4,800 pounds or however how the yeah. Hellcat yeah, yeah. is. You know, I felt every bit of that weight in the corner and man, it loaded up the front tires. And when it loads up those tires, what does it do? It just, it won't track right. It's going to mm-hmm. understeer like crazy. So, you know, you've, you've got to manage your tires. So when you're on a track, all the instructors tell you, tell you about manage your tire contact patch and so we think about that constantly on a road even on a straight road you're managing your contact patch and when you throw it in does it still have its balance is it still Mm -hmm. skittering its way through a corner like a lightweight car so when we chuck a car in it's got to be lightweight good handling the engine placement is crucial like a you know mid-engine car like the cayman but mm-hmm. it's got to do all those things to keep its composure and keep balanced. So therefore, when you unload that outside front tire, then what does it do? Does it transfer mm-hmm. the weight quickly? What does it do? That's really well, what chuckable means. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about quick transitions. How does a car handle quick transitions? Go in one way and then quickly go in the other. You know, and if you think about it, how, how does a boxer move quick transition-wise versus alignment? You know, mm-hmm. this is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And you can have heavy cars. I'll give you the best example. GTR is surprisingly agile back and forth. 
but a typically the lighter a car the more chuckable if it is set up right because it has less weight to to move through and so when you do dive into a to a transition of corners you don't feel like the weight of the car is a stutter step behind the steering input you're telling it and that fast transition weight transfer that is where that chuckable comment comes from yeah yeah great question though uh we we i think we maybe sort of take for granted that everybody knows what we're talking about when we say things like that but uh but excellent excellent point it's good to kind of dice that up uh what else was mm-hmm. on your list curious well i have i have two other quick ones i have one that is another one of these handling discussions and then one that is kind of a what if question i kind of hope to leave us on from casey cook but dan corwin wrote in and he said what effect does torque add to the driving experience or to put it another way does a car that makes uh does it make a car with less horsepower feel faster than it is how does it affect handling etc i'll give you two very specific examples the difference in driving between a fiesta st and the frs obviously one's front wheel drive one's rear wheel drive but the fiesta feels faster most of the time even though if you actually lined them up in a drag race like a zero to 60 done well they're almost the same the frs technically is supposed to be a little bit faster but in most of your driving the frs pardon me the fiesta will feel faster because it has more torque in the mid-range torque is that shove behind you Horsepower is that thing that helps you go really fast, but torque is that shove behind you. And generally, a car with more torque just has more instant shove available. The M3, the last-gen M3, had very little torque. you got to mm-hmm. wind that engine yeah. out. An S2000, yeah. very little torque. So you got to really like go searching for power, whereas a car with a lot of torque, you're just driving down the freeway at 3,000 RPM, and you push it, punch it, and it just takes off, which that's the major difference is that instant surge is available. Uh, one of the reasons electric cars feel so fast is that instant torque. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, you know, when we say a comment like, ooh, you got to really hold your speed in this car, clearly not a torquey car because it's not going to pull you out of that corner or sure. know, pull you up out of the hole sure. instantly yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, kind of assist you in a, oops, I did the corner wrong kind of thing. The cars that really reward you are not high horsepower, high ho- torque cars. And so, therefore, if you hold your speed, you're, you're quick as lightning. But it won't mm-hmm. help you out if you do something wrong or you're too slow through a corner. You're just uh, a go-kart's a perfect example, you know, just normal go-karts. You're just mm-hmm. going, uh, come on, come on, come on. No torque. But all it's all at the top end, so it's all horsepower. So. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. great question. All right, onwards. Uh, Casey Cook, I want to leave us here because this is a fun theoretical. He says, if you guys were given the opportunity to drive a Formula One car or a properly set up stage rally car, on the best track for each, which would you choose? <laughs> nice one, Casey. This is, uh, I have my answer. I do too. Thinking about this. All right, here it is. I want to drive a Formula One car because I want to feel the differences in aerodynamics and tires. I want to go, mm, mm. I want to feel the speed difference between going from, say, a semi soft to a super soft tire. And I also want to feel hmm. the speed difference hmm. through the corner because of that cornering arrow that they talk about so and much. downforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that downforce, which is designed for corners, unlike speedway cars, like the Indy cars, when they've got the speedway wings set up. Yes, they can be set up for road courses, too, with a different setup. But sure. I want to feel those aerodynamics push the front of the car into the ground and therefore going, I can go faster through this corner. Because now what I'm, not, now what I'm feeling is not tires. I'm feeling the arrow. I want to feel the arrow. I mm-hmm. love the rally car too, but I want to feel the aerodynamics because it's not often you get to on 
on uh, streetcars. I mean, streetcars yeah. arrow yeah, kicks yeah. in at 125 really miles yeah. an hour, and that's in a straight line. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking I want to feel that aerodynamics. But uh, how about you? Well, I uh, I want to answer this question a couple of ways. I, I'm going to go F1 car as well for a couple of reasons. First off, I I kind of like the solitary nature of driving fast. Hmm. And a good rally car on a rally stage is not a solitary experience anymore. And that sounds a little bit strange. I like the idea of going and driving fast with friends. But I also kind of like the idea of being in a car by myself. I just enjoy that. Hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to do a rally stage well, you're going to have a navigator you have to listen to. No offense to that when it's done well, because when it's done well, it's it's like a dance and it's masterful. But I like the the pointed end of the spear. You know, if you follow what I'm saying, being on the pointed end of it in an F1 car, and I love the idea of actually driving with arrow. That is so, like you said, that is so counterintuitive the way we normally drive. Right. I'm intrigued by that. I would like to drive, to speak to your question further, Casey, I would like to drive an F1 car on Spa because <laughs> that is such a, yeah. uh, such a, uh, it's a fantastic track with so many elevation changes and aero matters there. So that would be fascinating. I have another F1 track I'd like to drive, but I'm going to say never in a Formula One car. I would like just once in my life to drive a normal, fairly agile street car on the actual Monaco F1 circuit, the actual setup circuit, because having oh, yeah. driven that yeah. in a Renault Twizy, which is a <laughs> tandem seat electric that does 40 miles an hour on its best day, I thought that track was too tight for that car. So just, <laughs> seriously, so I would just love to act, and of course I wasn't able to do the full track because it was like normal uh, middle of the year when they actually have it set up for real traffic. But just the chance, that would be a once-in-a-lifetime thing, just to have the chance to drive that Monaco F1 track quickly, properly set up in a fast, normal car. I wouldn't want to even try it in an F1 car. I wouldn't want to try it in a Gosh. Formula 3 car. Give me something, honestly, like an FRS. Fast, yeah. but not all that powerful, on good tires. I just want to do a couple laps, because that, that track is so tight, it, it, it literally warps my brain to think about they do it in F1 cars. They come at 160 miles an hour, out of the tunnel into bright sunlight. It's, it's I, insane. I can't imagine that. Yeah, that is just incredible. Wow, guys, excellent questions. And uh, as I've noticed already, keep posting. If we don't get there, keep posting. You're reposting. Please, <clears throat> Christopher please. Gatsky, I'm looking at you. We do see them and uh, yep. really appreciate it. These are excellent, very clever, well-written, but uh, we'll, we'll keep trying to get to all of these. In the meantime, as we've talked about before, the everydaydriver.com pilgrimage adventure and that's in Europe, at Spa and the, and the Nürburgring. But if you keep scrolling, Chicago Track Day is coming August 22nd. It's a Monday. Yep. Look at yep. details for that. So Chicago Track Day, we are pulling this off as well. We want to see you guys hang out. Come out if you don't want to do the Track Day. That's just fine. Come, bring your car, hang out, we'll talk. And uh, Todd and I are talking about live podcasting at some point, so we're still trying to figure that one out. But uh, yeah. Those two events, keep looking at those. Well, and we had, I, I want to interject real quickly on that, and we had a question that came in just this week about that track day. Somebody said, and I, I'm trying to bring it up here, but I can't do it fast enough. Somebody saying that they have a WRX, they've never really driven hard, they've never been on a track, they'd like to come, but let's be honest, they're a bit spooked. You are the perfect person to come. Yes. This is an yes. event with instructors. This is an event with classifications. You can sign up as a full-on novice 
bring your car, you'll get an instructor in the car with you. If you want to try track driving, and trust us, you do. If you want to try track driving, don't be scared of this event. Just because it's new, come. We'll get an instructor in the car with you. They will show you the line. You're not going to wreck your car. We're not going to just go, all right, track's open. Best of luck to you. That's not how this is happening. <laughs> Bye now. So if, so if you are a newbie and you want to try track driving, come out to this event because it's going to be cool. And you're getting a discount if you go through our website. Yeah, yeah, great point. Thanks, guys. Huge thanks. Hope you have a great weekend and look forward to talking to you next week. Bye.